Welcome to the Awakened Intent podcast. My name is Chris Bale, and today I am joined by Avat, who has been generous enough to come into the space and yeah, just be willing to to bring questions that uh, we intend for it to be of of deep benefit to anyone who is listening today. So, welcome, Avat, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit just to allow people have a bit of a felt sense of you? I can do that. So my name is Avat and I live in Norway. <clears throat> Originally from Kurdistan um, and I have a background as an international advisor and cultural facilitator and worked a lot internationally with communities and community engagement and facilitation between arts and higher education. And I was very curious to come on today to talk a bit about, yeah, um, the teachings and the principles that you talk about, Chris, but anchoring it within community, community engagement and facilitation. Beautiful, beautiful. So do you have a do you have a kind of felt sense of how you want to begin, how you want to start to dive in today? Yes, I do have some questions here for Mr. Bill. I was told to bring questions. <laughs> okay, wonderful. But yeah, I do have some questions. So my heart does move a lot for the community and community engagement and facilitation. And um one of the things that I've been really thinking and reflecting upon is how one could define a healthy and wholesome community. And I'm very interested in, in her, hearing what you would say would define a healthy and wholesome community, Chris. Mm. For me, healthy and wholesome i mean maybe let's just focus on the word healthy yeah <clears throat> in this regard and for me it starts with consciousness it starts with embodiment it starts with people who have a specific depth of self-awareness and embodiment first just as a foundation for how everything is conducted within that community. Because if there's not awareness, if there's not a certain level of consciousness, a certain level of seeing within the community, then essentially that community is being led, aka ravaged by conditioning yeah. and by trauma that is just simply being passed on and continuously perpetrated. So for me, the first foundation of, of health in any capacity has to be consciousness, awareness, and through that embodiment of oneself. And from here, the energy that starts to come through, the direction that starts to come through, <clears throat> the guidance that starts to come through, that's going to be coming from a place of being deeply connected 
to the life force energy that has essentially created us and put us here. And once that is present in the space, then I feel love can be there, compassion can be there, patience can be there, the ability to listen to one another can be there, the understanding that I function this way and I have certain preferences that are present with me in order to keep me nourished and healthy. But I also understand that other people function very differently to me. And they have their own preferences. They have their own directions that they are going to move in when they are in alignment. So within that community, championing, championing your own divinity, but also allowing another person's divinity be present, even if it's completely different to yours. So it's ultimate allowance, essentially, once that allowance is coming from a place, again, of consciousness and, and meaning no harm to other people. But for me, that's the foundation that allows intelligence to start coming through. And you use the word embodied a lot. And I really want to bring that, mm -hmm. that down in terms of practicality. <clears throat> so... How does an embodied man show up and move through his community? Well, in whatever way is most in alignment for how he's put together, mm. without deferring himself to what other people think of him or what other people say they need from him. But he's able to sense himself first, and that is his inner law. That is what he is here to live by first and foremost. And through him being completely in alignment with that aspect of him, now he is able to care for, love, and offer protection uh, to community around him because he is looked after within the essence of himself. So how an embodied man, an embodied man moves is whatever way it was intended for him to move. That's, that's how he's going to move. And I guess the same question goes for from where you stand. How do you see an embodied woman show up and move through her community? Leading with love. Okay. In spite of fear, in spite of past trauma, in spite of the hatred present, the unconsciousness present, the manipulation present that she's a stand for love first because she's come to a point within her own embodiment, within her own receptivity to self, that she understands love is going to be the most powerful avenue for her to, for her to walk. And that's ultimately what's going to bless every single space that she moves into. And it's easy for me to say that, but it's a very challenging path to take when there's so much around her that is looking to pull at her and pillage from her and consume her and manipulate her and lie to her so taking a stand for love and choosing to move from love in spite of all of that mm -hmm. that to me is 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 the most empowered state and not just for women but for all of us that we can all be in is moving first from love, but also leading with her receptivity. 
Because what this current climate has done to women is it has victimized her. And it has twisted her up into losing contact with her receptivity. It has taught her how to shut down. And it has given her no option to open to love. It has told her everything she's lacking, everything she's not, everything she should be to be more beautiful, to be more intelligent, to be more feminine, etc., etc. But love of self and self-respect, that is going to be her way in to really experiencing herself as deeply as she can come to. And all of that is going to happen through her rekindling her relationship with receptivity. And that's not just a concept, that's her reigniting that within her physical body, within her somatic system, within her nervous system, within her relationship between herself and God, herself and love, herself and the masculine. And a woman who's carrying disdain for the masculine is going to find it very, very difficult to to be in a healthy partnership with the masculine, period. So that is why embodiment and moving first in love is so important, because that striving for love and that commitment to love, even in moments where the trauma takes over, the fear takes over, the insecurity takes over, at least the foundational intelligence of moving in love will continue to kind of steer her home and back to that. There is no such thing as perfection in any of this. And it is important that she can really deeply feel through everything viscerally in her system that has been stolen from her. But learning to do that in a way that is actually of love versus of destruction. And that is a that is a journey for sure. As I hear you speak, I, I see that you're pointing on many of the topics and, and boxes that have kind of been ticked off in my own process of engaging and relating to my community. And I would add to that to say, yes, for me, the experience was really alive. And the experience for me is that when I moved through my community, the first thing that I noticed was that when one has rekindled the relationship to receptivity, what's really interesting, me, interesting for me is that when I move into any space that I have, it is the enormous force of gazing and attraction of attention from men which Mm -hmm. has been hard to stand in it has been very difficult to not to contract Mm -hmm. Um, and why i say gazing because it's in that process of being looked upon and and gazed as my body in a certain fragrance i have attracts a lot of attention i fought that for so long because of the pillaging, because of the tarnishing, because of the ability to be receptive, but yet to be mishandled so much. So that contracted Mm -hmm. everything that I wanted to so willingly give to my community. But from where I stand now, and through the processes that I've had, 
it's beautiful to see that whenever I move into a room, how much attraction and attention that I seem to get from men. And not in the sense of just the not in a sense just for the sensual experience or the sensual trait of it, but it's more for hmm, what is it about her that moves so organically I want to talk to her and that has attracted so much from young to old to to, to male in general that they want to be that they approach and they have so much to tell me. Mm-hmm. They have so much to tell and it has been a discomfort because to first feel that pressure of so much energy that wants to come through I thought that a lot but part of me has told me to just stay in it stay still and move slow because when I do that then they can learn and they can see how something organic organic feminine presence really is and I've stayed with that to the point where now I'm interacting with the masculine on so many levels, from young to old, as I said. And what is really striking to me is how much male and masculine energy has to tell. And I think that's beautiful because I've been so sorely missed to hear the voices and the expressions and also the presence of that both within my own life, but also within our community, that I miss having more men come through and move through and be part of it. And I think a lot of that is back to what you were saying, to rekindle that relationship with receptivity and to move with heart and love. And it's really, really difficult sometimes because there are just so few of us women that really understand if... I can even call myself embodied woman. I wouldn't know what that really means in the sense that you use it, but I can experience it in my own felt sense that wherever I go to, there is the um, constant flow of energy that comes through me or comes to me and has something to tell me. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy um, to see more of that. And what's beautiful about that as an experience is you are available to that because you have located your sense of safety within your own experience. Hmm. And you are not seeking safety through anybody else. And you also understand that Nobody can come along with their lack of safety and remove your safety. So what I feel in your expression as you're sharing this, what I feel is the depth of connection that you have between yourself and the earth. That you've come to a certain level of peace within yourself, which allows you to actually remain open to life in situations that are potentially challenging where contracting could be like an easy option so it's more of a testament to how you have showed up for yourself for you to even be able to be receptive 
to uh, to men, to the masculine, especially when probably not all of those men are communicating from a place of presence or, or clarity or cleanliness. So to feel your heart be open to all the different versions of that um, is very beautiful. And I feel that that is medicine for the men who engage with you. Because if there's one thing men are lacking, it's love from the feminine. There's many other things that they're receiving that are in, that are pretending to be love. Yeah. Uh, but, but deeply speaking, because of the hurt and the pain and the trauma and the distrust and the mishandling that has been done onto a lot of women, it can be very challenging for her to actually be loving with men, with the masculine. So what you're bringing and where you're at, I feel, is absolute medicine for the men that come in contact with you. And in that experience, what you said about being open receptive to all shapes and forms of what they bring, I noticed that there's such a real sense of relief and freedom because a lot of men bring a lot of rage, the beast in them, that hasn't been able to express itself. So being a felt sense of safety where, yes, they might probe and poke and look within me, I don't move from it. I can meet them where they are at. And that sense of saying I can feel the rage or the the beast that is within, and I welcome that. Not in the sense that they might hurt me, but that is the very force, that is the very life force, is the word that you often use, Chris, that I, as a woman and my body, react to. But when well-managed, it is beautiful what kind of magic the male can create with the woman or within his community that primal force that he has within. And I miss that so much. So, And I welcome that. And I see that part of that process is being able to stand there as a woman with safety, welcoming every shades of him. And reflecting him back yes. to himself as a gift. Yes. And the part of the the embodied man that you spoke of earlier, that question that you asked, you know, that's another really deep part of it for men is he has to go through the process of freeing his expression up. So he is no longer in fear of communicating his authenticity. Because if a man cannot speak his word he's going to wither inside Mm. and he's not going to feel bliss 
in his life. He is not going to experience empowerment in himself. He will be owned, he will be domesticated, and any aspect of primality in him is going to be completely squashed. So the the speaking and the expressing and the man willing to, to go through the process, the terrifying process of showing up in front of the feminine or in front of women, putting himself in front of her, and speaking clearly and honestly about who he is and what he is drawn to, what he is attracted to by her, celebrating beauty, not even for her, but first just to free himself up. That is a really deep initiatory process for men because men are terrified of beauty. That's one of our biggest fears is being overwhelmed by feminine energy. And femininity, and we spend our whole lives, if we're not conscious of it, if we're not actively uh, doing the work with ourselves, we spend our whole lives trying to avoid it, trying to control it, trying to manage it, and never really allowing it be there to teach us. We don't really want to listen to it because it exposes too much of our own blind spots. So a huge part of our initiatory process from boyhood to manhood to, to move into a state of proficiency and, and to have a more erect and upright sense of self, it's very, very important that that man can start to practice his initiatory energy, which is showing up in life, which is putting himself in the face of all forms of rejection and standing for what he is here to stand for and expressing that. Not in a way to be a dictator or to dominate or to take or to consume or to to uh, use this experience for his own gain or to feed the lack in him or to feed his ego. It's not about that. It's about him celebrating his own life force and how it moves. And as men, most of us are incredibly moved, magnetized by and transformed by feminine energy and by feminine energy in the system of a woman and how it moves, how it animates itself, how it comes through, the magneticness that is present there. That's what we come from and that's what we consistently are attempting to get back to. And through that process, it's him working through all of his mother's stuff so he can be his own man. And it doesn't need to be clean. That's messy. And it's okay that it's messy. But he has to look at his relationship to uncomfortability, to tension, and to fear. Because if he consistently turns away from situations and scenarios and experiences that make him uncomfortable, or that bring up tension, or that he is fearful towards he will continue to wither in that process. So the more he can turn towards these aspects and these experiences, the more fuel, the more electricity, the more support he is going to have in being able to embody himself deeply and to feel resilient and able to move through a life that is challenging in many places, 
it's as challenging as it is beautiful, and oftentimes the more beautiful it is, the more challenging it can be. So that would be my follow-up uh, invitation to men Beautiful. from your first question. Beautiful, Chris. Um, moving on and on, on that topic, I kind of want to bring it inwards a bit in terms of what would you say the internal process let me try again. Hmm. What internal processes need to be engaged for a man or a woman to step into embodied leadership into the community? Well, my first question to them would be, how are you stepping into surrender? Okay. How are you stepping into listening? Because the leadership, that's a word that, you know, where's the person leading from? Mm. I would never want to instruct someone how to lean, lead from the insanity of their conditioning. I would never want someone to lead from all of the egoic desires that they have inside of them. I would never want a person to lead from, from their personality, or even from their desires, for the most part. The leadership that, that I'm always attempting to call forth is a leadership that is informed by our listening to either the energy that has created us and put us here, you could call it God, you can call it Source, our connection, our relationship to something deeper than our mind. So have we learned to surrender to that? Because if, if we're wanting people to follow us, who are we following? Because the leadership certainly couldn't just be coming from us. It probably wouldn't be so beneficial. So once the person has clarified within themselves, what am I here to imbibe? What am I here to stand for through the felt sense connection with my creator? With my life force? From this point, stepping into leadership is going to really be dependent on that person's design and how they're created. Not everyone here is, is to be in a position of leadership. I would almost stretch to say that most people are not designed to be in a constant state of leadership. Mm. But there's different levels to leadership. Yeah. Right? There's just leadership within your own life. There's leadership within your partnership. There's leadership within your friend and social circles. There's leadership within your sports team or whatever team you're present with. There's, there's many different levels of it. So... I'm just not sure exactly what level it is that you're that you're referring to or that you're asking about. Well, in terms of leadership, I'm thinking about men and women that initiate um, any form of movement or mobilization or efforts and activities within their own community. So it can be from micro to macro scale, but. That's mm. the sense of leadership I'm talking about, how they can influence mm. and be a role model, something that can 
be an inspiration to the young and the old around them within their community that mm. they bring um, yeah their 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 teachings and their love and their presence that's mm -hmm. the type of leadership I'm talking about right well first the individual has to actually arrive to that point within themselves right where they have actually acquired the capacity or they have they have built that foundation where they do have access to all of the qualities that you just spoke of and oftentimes when a person is in that space they won't be looking to to be in leadership but people will just find them people will be drawn to them people will come to them they'll find themselves in a position of leadership without ever actually wanting to be there potentially because the other question I would have asked a person asking about leadership is, well, first ask yourself why you want to be in a position of leadership. What is the why? Where is it coming from in you? Is it for egoic satisfaction? Is it to kind of plump up and broaden your sense of self at the image of helping other people? You know, that is so... That is such a wonderful thing to do. That makes me a better person, right? Is that the thought process behind it? Is that why a person leans into it to be the center of attention? Or is it just simply what they've been put here for and they couldn't get away from it even if they tried to? People just show up and start to kind of follow them. And people just wait for them to take the lead in a space. So I just want to be cautious with how I express stuff around leadership because it's so deeply nuanced and there's so many different corners of it and not all of it will be coming from a loving and clean place. But for the people who do find themselves in leaderships, uh, leadership roles within communities, my suggestion and my invitation to that person would be to make sure that they have ample time and space to be able to be with themselves and listen to themselves so that they don't become too cluttered by the leadership so that they can stay connected to the wisdom within them with the love within them with the compassion within them and to never actually identify with being in a position of leadership. Because oftentimes that, that can be what starts to happen. A person does their work to a certain point and then before you know it, they have a commune and, you know, 20,000 people in robes following them. You know, the, the, whole, the whole guru uh, paradox that, that happens. And then before you know it, that individual has completely lost any sense of reality and now they're completely identified with that role. And then their work goes out the window because all of the adulation starts to blind them at, at how much it pumps up their ego and they kind of get caught by it. They lose themselves to it. So the remembrance of how deeply ordinary the leader is will allow the leader to remain safe, will allow the leader to, to remain on the ground and not get too pumped up by how other people perceive him, because it's never true anyway. So for the people in leadership, remember the people who adore you and the people who talk ill of you. 
neither one is true, generally speaking. To be a clean and precise leader, it's important that we can stay centered and we can understand that everyone around us will be having their own experience of life. That does not mean to not take feedback, to not hear criticism, to not really inquire into it deep within ourselves, to feel is there actually a truth in this that that is a blind spot for me. That is absolutely what we should be doing, but never to hang our identity or our value or our sense of self on the opinion of anybody else. And then doing our best to lead from a place of deep connectedness with life, with love, with nature. Because that's what I feel, personally speaking, is lost right now to a large degree, is the naturalness that we come from, the simplicity, the quietness, the spaciousness. So if someone can just lead from silence, lead from spaciousness, that's a that's such a real and honest and profound place to lead from, I feel. Because you still allow everyone else to go through the process of understanding who they are and they don't run the risk of trying to become you. Thank you for listening to some of today's episode. If you'd like to hear the full conversation, along with live Qigong classes, Q&A group sessions, and Tea with Chris, you can head over to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Chris Bale. Thank you as always for your support. And we will see you back here on the next episode. Ciao.